Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. probably already have it or have gotten it, but um, just want to remind you that uh, the devotional that I wrote last year, um, we had, uh, actually we're in our second order of that, um, and uh, it's, it's been a tremendous help to a lot of people, so if you're looking for something to help you, uh, I know everybody kind of tries to get back on the, on the wagon, you know, so to speak, um, as far as uh, getting some good daily habits and things like that, and so um, if you want something that'll help you, not just, it, it's a 21-day devotional, but it also has things that you can use throughout the year. Had several people uh, tell me how much the, uh, the read the Bible in the year um, uh, portion of, the, of it actually helped them uh, uh, to, to do that. It's, it's different than just starting at uh, Genesis and going all the way through every day is a different section of the Bible, uh, and it really kind of helps you um, not get too bogged down and uh, kind of power through that. So if you want to get that, it's out in the foyer, and uh, there's a bunch of different ways uh, that, um, that we've signed up to pay for that. So uh, if you want to get one for somebody, uh, it, would be, it would be really good uh, to do that. So uh, with that said, uh, this morning I am going to talk about uh, breaking uh, cycles, and uh, this message is kind of a message that um, was, um, I got a lot of inspiration from a series that I did um, uh, several, I guess last year sometime, uh, called Breaking Bad, but it had a little bit different things. But there was such good, um, you know, such good stuff in there that I wanted to bring it out today. Uh, as you guys are going into the new year, I cannot believe that 2024 uh, is is here. It just, I, I, I don't think I say this every year. I, I do say that the years go by faster and faster, but I, I do believe that 2023. And I've talked to several other people. It was the absolute fastest year that I think I've ever seen. It just flew by. And, we, and I, I went back and I started thinking about all the things that we had done, uh, especially as a church this year. And, and, uh, and, and we'll try to give like a year review maybe uh, in the next couple of weeks of some things that we, uh, that we did together and, and did for God and some, just some growth that's, that's happened and, and everything. And it's always good just to go back because, you know, if you don't go back and you, um, you know, praise God for what he has done, then you'll uh, somehow, our, our minds and I, I, it's probably the enemy will tell us that God really hasn't done much lately, right? Uh, but if you go back and you look at how great uh, things, maybe we had some bad times this year. Maybe you're just coming out of a bad week or bad couple of weeks or bad six months. But um, I guarantee you, if you go back and you really begin to uh, ask God, you know, show me, open, the, open my eyes to the things that you really did in my life, we're gonna have so much to praise God for, amen? And uh, so going into that, a lot of times we, we begin to, uh, to think about things that we can do, you know, we all uh, think about uh, we're going to eat better, we're going to exercise, we're going to uh, read our Bible more, we're going to do those things. And, and, uh, and so I kind of wanted to give some things to you that may help you, uh, maybe a different perspective. And so just kind of wrote a few things here. At the first of the year, we're all thinking about how we can be better this year that's coming up. And, and that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. Uh, but I started thinking about this, maybe instead of looking to see how we can add things to our lives to make us better, um, maybe we need to first be looking at what we can take away from our lives and reprioritize to make our lives better. Rather than adding things on top of things, maybe it might be better to look at things that may need to be taken out of our life or we need to get rid of uh, or maybe just a reprioritization of some things. And so, you know, being from the South and especially from Texas, most of us, um, and, and there's just this area, you know, we're historically hardworking people. Um, and, and that's not a bad thing. That's, that's a great thing. I actually, uh, you don't realize how hardworking you are and how it's just a part of our culture until you go somewhere where it's not a part of their culture and you see grown men that, I'll just leave it at that. So it's not a bad thing. But if that hardworking mentality 
carries over into areas where hard work alone won't cut it, then it can be a negative thing. Amen? So I'm not saying that hard work is not a good thing. But what I am saying is, is if our hardworking mentality carries over into areas where work alone doesn't cut it, it can be a bad thing. We can actually hinder, I believe, the blessings of God, the peace of God in our life, and the plan of God in our lives by doing more and not keeping first things first. Amen? We all probably grew up, you know, I know I did, trying to impress somebody uh, with our ability to work and our ability to get things done. I remember, um, you know, hearing my grandfather and, um, you know, I was real young and I had uh, some cousins older than me and um, the ones that were older than me, um, I don't know, I was a kid, so I, it's, it, it was hard for me to judge that. Uh, but I just always remember the running joke uh, that one of my, my older cousins that was quite a bit older than me, um, and my, grand, my grandfather would always say, uh, that boy hates that four-letter word work. And if he ever hears that four-letter word work, he goes and hides. And I just remember thinking to myself, I don't ever want him to think I'm that way. You know, and, and, and that carried over, and I think that was a good thing. You know, so, you know, they wouldn't ever call you and tell you they were splitting wood uh, that, back in the woods or they were bailing hay. They just expected you to hear the chainsaw or see the tractors, and you just need to come running. And if you didn't, you know, you were just lazy. And so I, I remember having to anticipate those things and, and all those things, and I didn't ever want to be looked at as lazy. And then, of course, when, you know, you get in the ministry, um, you know, and I, I know people say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but also I think it comes from maybe something that they've seen. And I just, I wasn't raised uh, necessarily in the church day-to-day -day or anything like that. And, and I definitely wasn't raised around uh, uh, pastors consistently or anything uh, like that. I was raised uh, around hardworking people that lived out in the country. And, and uh, then when I, I got in the ministry, I, I began to hear a recurring phrase uh, as, as um, you know, even some of you guys, I would hear uh, you say, um, you know, those lazy preachers and they only work a couple of days a week and all those things. And so when I would hear that, I would go, I'm gonna prove that I'm not that way. And when I went back to Magnolia, uh, that, was a, uh, that was a big deal to them because they had had an experience with somebody who didn't really do their job. They just, you know, I feel like was there collecting a check. And, um, and I did not want to be lumped in with that. I've never wanted to be lumped in with that. And I'm not saying that's all the way a bad thing because you don't need to be lazy. But at the same time, I know that I've done things and I've got myself in areas trying to gain approval of, of people who really their approval doesn't matter as long as I'm doing what God's told me to do. Amen. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that you lay all that down. I'm just trying to bring some priority to some things. So we've all probably grown up trying to impress somebody with our ability to work or to get things done. But if we're not careful, we'll try to gain God's approval by our works and will chase a place with God that you can never earn with work. Amen? There's places with God that you'll never earn with work. It's actually, this place has to be received, not earned. Amen? Working hard will never win God's affection. Let's go over to uh, Luke, the 10th chapter. Verse 38. Now, let me preface with saying, I'm not saying that work doesn't have a place. I'm just saying you're not working to gain his approval. Amen? And it can't take the place of you trying to stay in good graces with God. Let me show you this. We uh, made reference to this uh, throughout some of the Christmas messages. Uh, but this is uh, Martha and Mary, and uh, Jesus is in the house, amen? And uh, verse 38 in chapter 10, it says, Now it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. What was she distracted with? The Bible says, with much serving. Distracted with much serving. 
And she approached him, meaning Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are troubled about many things. That is a word for a lot of us in this room. You are troubled about many things. But verse 42, he says, but one thing is needed. You're troubled about many things, but there's one thing that is needed. And it says, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Amen? So let me preface everything by saying this too. Living within biblical guidelines, adhering to the truths of the word of God, and seeking to be in line with the will of God are all majorly beneficial and should be the aim of every child of God. But never forget, God welcomed you to come to him long before you ever thought about being good. Romans 5 eight. God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, God demonstrates. So a demonstration is more than just lip service. How many of you have ever given someone lip service? You've said, I love you, but it was only words. Some of you maybe have even said, yeah, I'll be praying for you, but it was only words. Or it was only type on a computer. But right here it says that God didn't just tell us that he loved us. Because he could have said, I love you a million and one times. But God didn't just say that he loved us. It says God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners. Meaning we hadn't done the first thing right. It says in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The demonstration was there. The welcome, the acceptance was there before we ever turned to him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is the most important part of this scripture. It says, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. And the reason why you couldn't have anything to do with your own salvation is because humanity wants to boast in what it does. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God didn't want you to be able to have one single part in what he did for you. He wanted it to be all him and only he, only he could have done it anyway. So there's not one thing that you have done in your life, not one good thing, not one dollar, not one church service, not stopping on the side of the road and helping one person, not acting in love towards someone that didn't deserve you acting in love, not one thing that you ever did put one ounce of salvation in the tank of what it took to save you. Nothing. We don't serve God from a place of earning our salvation. We serve God from a place that we've already accepted it freely and we love him and we want to serve him because of that. Amen? But Martha was distracted. I would imagine Martha was the type of person in a good way that, that, that took care and took pride for you know these type, that everything's got to be perfect. And I think it all came from a good place. So I'm not, I'm not bashing anybody who is excellent because I believe in excellence. I believe in hard work. <clears throat> but the point that I'm trying to bring out is that sometimes people like that, people like us, hardworking people, that we have gained results from working hard and doing and paying attention to detail, sometimes... We've gotten so many results by doing that 
that we don't understand how to shift gears in our life and prioritize the things that we need to be doing because we've gotten so many results with this other. Amen? And I'll, I'll touch more on that here in just a minute. But that, that word distracted here in the scripture is a Greek word, um, I'll try to pronounce it, uh, perispeo. And, and this is the, the word that would have been used in the original text, this perispeo, and this is what it meant. So when Jesus said, you're distracted, he, he was saying this, to draw away, to distract, or to be driven about mentally, to be overoccupied, too busy about a thing. I want you to think about your, yourself and think about how this might define some things in your own life, in my life, that you're drawn away by it, but not just physically. Right here it says, driven about mentally. <clears throat> Meaning that there are things in your life that drive you mentally. And therefore it drives you physically. That you're overoccupied, too busy about a thing. Um, one commentary says it like this. It says, whatever cares the providence of God cast upon us, we must not be cumbered with them, nor be uh, disquieted and perplexed by them. Care is good and dutiful, but cumber is sin and folly. She was then cumbered about much serving when she should have been with her sister sitting at Christ's feet to hear the word. Worldly business is then a snare to us when it hinders us from serving God and getting good to our souls. I mean, there is a flip side to this. I've known people that they're so spiritual that they can't take care of their family and they can't take care of their home and they're not a very good employee and they, they just float around on cloud nine all the time and I don't believe that the Lord is in for that either. What it means is, is you have to know where your priorities are and you gotta know when to shift gears. You gotta know when it's time to, to turn a, a certain thing off, when it's time to turn that off and, and, it's, and you're like, well, I just can't turn my mind off. Well, you, you'll never will if, if you keep saying that. You'll never be able to do it if you keep saying that. What you're saying is, is it's hard to do it and I don't, I'm not willing to do hard things to get the right things. Why don't you say it better? Don't say you can't, say you don't wanna try. Because there's never been anything in your life that was ever worth doing that was ever easy. But you wanted it so bad that you kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it until something changed about you, right? I remember when uh, Julia was wanting to play softball and she's little, little bitty, maybe kindergarten, first grade, so I'd go out there and I'd throw the softball and it'd hit her glove and it'd hit the ground. And I mean, like one try, one try. She's throwing the glove down. I can't do this. I'll never, I can't. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. It, it takes more than one try. And most of the time as Christians, we try prayer once and it didn't work. We try tithing once and it didn't work. We try going to church once and it didn't work. We try getting with God and I didn't hear his voice. It's a commitment to desiring a different place of intimacy with God and a different place of knowing God. And it's not gonna happen once. When writing to uh, the Ephesians, Paul taught his readers that their hard work was good, but that it would not bring them salvation. The Greek word he used for work uh, was, a word, was a word called, it was a ergon, E-R-G-O-N. And it means business, employment, that which anyone is occupied, enterprise, undertaking, and an act, dead, uh, I'm sorry, an act, deed, thing, done. So Paul's emphasizing that our salvation is earned through Jesus's gift, not through our works. You know, and we understand this mentally, but this was a, very foreign concept to the Ephesians. You gotta realize that the Ephesians, also the Jews, so the Gentiles and the Jews, um, because the Old Testament way of serving God was very much works-based, very much work-based. If you didn't do the things that God said do in the order he said do them, uh, he eventually made a greasy spot out of you. 
But in the New Testament, there's, you're, you're serving God uh, through salvation that you didn't earn, but that you received freely through Jesus Christ. He did all the work. You received the benefit of that. And so Paul's teaching this, but it was, it's very, uh, it was a bit, very radical idea uh, for the Ephesians to comprehend because the, the gods and the goddesses uh, that they had served in their culture their whole lives demanded, didn't ask, it wasn't you know, something that you could do or you didn't have to if you didn't want to. They demanded action and work for a promised afterlife. Of course, all of those religions were dead religions and, and false gods and things like that, but that's all they had ever known. All they had ever known is that you do these things to make the gods happy and you do these things to make the gods mad. And if you make the gods mad enough, then all these bad things happen to you. You know, we, we believed in Jesus and we believed in God, but some of that even carried over into our religious life. When I was a kid, I remember you would do something bad and then something bad would happen. And I remember part of some of my family saying, see there, God will get you. You ever heard that? Or, you know, I never could walk into that church house. Uh, you know, it might fall in on me. All right, you know, you better, uh, you know, it's lightning outside. You better not, better not be lying. If God was going to get you with a lightning bolt, he'd have got you a long time ago. You've done more than enough over the years to catch that lightning bolt. If he was going to do it, he was going to, he'd already done it. But that creeps into our mentality that we do good, we get good. But what God's saying is, since you were born from your mother's womb, you've never been good. But I've always been good. And I was so good to you that I gave my son to die for you so that you could receive what he did for you so that you could stand before me righteous, not in your own acts, but in his. Amen? So it's kind of a radical idea for them. Um, Matthew Henry writes this in his, one of his commentaries. There is no room for any man's boasting of his own abilities and power or as though he had done anything that might deserve such immense favors from God. We're often flooded by invitations to join good things and endless opportunities to be involved with all kinds of activities and causes. Now, this is something that I got from the notes that I, I made sometime back when I did this other series. And I, I had no idea that this was a thing, um, but you know, I guess I'm uh, showing my age. You know, Sometimes as, you, as, as you're getting older, you start... Um, you, you start missing out on um, the, the, the new words for things. And, um, you know, it happens to the best of us. We were uh, at our staff board Christmas party, and I don't think one of our board members or staff members knew what a Karen was. We were all sitting there, and they're like, what's a Karen? Sorry if your name's Karen, but we had to explain to them what a Karen is. You know, Karen, they got the short haircut, and they always want to ask for the manager, Right? They didn't know. And so when I, was, when I was doing some research, I found out this new term, and I guess it's new, it's new to me, and it's called FOMO. I was scared to Google it because I didn't know what it was, but I thought I'm going to look it up. And it means that there is a, there is a new phobia, or I guess an increased phobia, that is gripping every generation right now, and most of it is due to social media, and it's called fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. You know, it's, it's like when you see people on social media that normally you're invited to go with and you didn't get invited. Or it's when you had to miss something that everybody else got to and you see all the pictures and you hear all the things and and, and, and that's just when we miss things. But because we have this fear of missing out, then we never know how to say no. Because A, we don't want to miss out, and B, we don't want to say no in fear that if we say no, we'll never get invited again. Or that we will somehow lose some kind of spot. And, and it's a real thing. But we can be distracted by all the things we see our friends doing on social media posts 
It could lead to a serious case of FOMO. We need to be wise in how we spend our time and what we give our attention to and accept our human limitations. We can't do all the things. Everybody say that. Say, I can't do all the things. I'm gonna say probably the most controversial thing that's ever been said in Joaquin, Texas. Your kid can't play every sport. Not and it brings some kind of negative repercussions in their life. I said it, sorry. And I'm not against it. You guys know I, I love playing sports. Well, my kid's different. No, he's, he's, they're a human being. And every person needs downtime. And not just blank downtime where we're staring at a tablet or we're staring at a phone or, or we're somehow, we, you know, I started thinking about something that I actually miss from my childhood. Can you guess what I actually miss from my childhood? Boredom. You think I'm joking? I remember days where I was bored out of my mind. And at the time it was miserable. But that misery turned into imagination. I use it like, I use that terminology because when we were in Mexico, um, Javier, that was our driver, if you've never, dri I've never driven in Mexico, but I have been driven in Mexico, and it's wild. It is Wild West driving. And I said, um, Javier, do the lines not mean anything in Mexico? And he looks at me, and as much English as he can muster, and he says, we drive with imagination. You're right. Sidewalks don't count as sidewalks around there. That's just an elevated lane. But anyway, I, 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 remember, I started thinking about the other day. I said, you know, I kind of miss being bored. You know, because when you're bored, you kind of, your mind has an opportunity to relax. And here's what was happening in my mind even when I wasn't going to church as a small kid. There were times of boredom and silence where I had nothing else and you know, it was in those times that I got so quiet that the Lord was able to speak to me as a small kid. I didn't really know what was going on, but I somehow knew God's talking to me. I think there's a whole generation that is missing out on that because they're never bored and they're never alone. And they, I'm not saying alone, alone, you know what I mean? There's constantly an outside worldly influence and you gotta raise your kids like I have to raise mine and I'm by no means, has, have no means been perfect at that. But what I am saying is, it's okay to not have anything to do. This was gonna be in my end of my service, but sometimes I feel like we pack our schedule with things that we somehow have figured out it gives us some kind of self-worth to be a part of because we're failing sometimes at home and because we're failing sometimes maybe in our marriage or we're failing sometimes in our personal life. And because of that, we feel like if we can pack it full of things that we don't feel like a failure at, that all that other stuff will go away but it doesn't go away. It will culminate into a bigger problem at some point. We need to be wise in how we spend our time and what we give our attention to. Accept our human limitations. Jesus invites us to participate in the best thing. None of us should be too busy for the necessity of sitting at Jesus' feet. Nobody should. None of us should be too busy to do that. All of us have a great need to break the cycle of busy in our life. I'm learning about my own FOMO. <laughs> my own busy that needs to be broken. It hinders me, I'm gonna use myself as an example, it hinders me from true success and obedience to God. 
It hinders me from hearing the voice of God. It hinders me from enjoying the things and the people and the moments that really matter. God's desire for you is not to see how much you can carry, but how much burden you can trust him to carry for you. It's no mark of success or spiritual strength to carry it all and do it all. It doesn't get you brownie points. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7 says this, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Watch this. There's no, no it, you know, it's not by accident that number, verse seven is there. There's a lot of times we'll either quote, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, or we'll quote, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he'll exalt you in due time but rarely do we put all these scriptures together and they're together for a reason because verse seven says, casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. So that tells me when we carry around care that we're supposed to cast on him, we're not humbling ourselves, we're acting in pride. And pride, God will resist someone who's proud. God will resist somebody that says, I can do it myself, I don't need any help. God will resist somebody who wants the, the, um, the notoriety for being able to be somebody's savior. I've seen this in a lot of, uh, a lot of parents uh, that have drug addicts for, or, an alco- or alcoholics for children that, that, that they, they won't stop enabling them. And I think the reason why they won't stop enabling them is because they always feel like a savior when they come in and they give them what they want instead of what they need. That went over good. If you're not pointing people towards Jesus as their savior, you're not playing the proper role in someone's life. Because you're nobody's savior. You know, there, I, I've, seen, I've seen instances where, I know this, we're, we're gonna get on the lighter side of here in a minute. I know this is a little heavy right now, but it, it's good. I've seen instances where you have um, two different children. One who maybe is an addict or something, doesn't have, you know, just keeps doing all that, and then one of them that kind of has their life together, whatever, whatever that means. And it's like the, the parents put everything into the addict and nothing into the one that seemingly has it together. And here's the thing about it. You'll never be the addict's savior. You gotta point them towards the savior. And just because the other child doesn't need you to pay their bills, doesn't need you to raise their children, doesn't need you to do all those things, it doesn't mean that that child doesn't need you. Just because they seemingly have it all together doesn't mean they don't need you. They may just not need you in the way that you've been used to being needed. Is this okay? It'll help you if you'll listen It'll either help you if you're in that spot or it'll help you from getting in that spot. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7 again. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. And then if we couple that with Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, it says, come to me, all you who labor. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you don't have a word yet for 2024, that's your word right there. Come to me, All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to this next statement. If you're robbing, constantly robbing from the most important people and areas in your life to serve the least important it's time for you to break the cycle. 
I'm going to say it again. If you're constantly robbing from the most important people in areas of your life to serve the least important, it's time to break that cycle. So what would be the top priorities of everyone? I think hands down, these are the top priorities that everybody needs to adopt. Number one is obviously hobbies. No, it's obviously, say it with me, starts with a big G, God. Number one is God. Number two, and I think everybody in here is gonna expect me to say spouse, but I'm not. Number two, I believe, is your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Because if that ain't right, you'll be too weak to truly be successful in all the other areas of your life. So God's number one, your soul's number two, your spouse is number three, number four is your kids or grandkids, depending on what stage of life you're in, number five, your homestead, number six, your business vocation or calling, number seven, your local church, number eight, your community, number nine, your hobbies. Now, listen, I did do that in order, and that is a order of priority, but listen, this is not an order of service. This is a list of priorities where we keep the most important things, the most important things. And if something is going to get shortchanged, it's not going to be the top things for the bottom things. So I'm not saying that there aren't times where we don't dedicate to these things. And I'm not even saying that some of these things actually take more hours of our week. But what I am saying is that there's, there is a way to prioritize your life where you do keep the most important things, the most important things, and everything gets done. But it's gotta be done when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and say, God, you show me how to get these priorities in my life, amen? These things should be fluid, and some of them may overlap, but should never take the place of. So let me give you an example. God, church, and your calling, or your gifting, okay? Those are all, uh, so, so God's number one, you know, your, uh, your church, sorry, I kind of messed my notes up here. Um, your church is going to be somewhere around number seven, and, and your calling is, is back up there around number six. And, but, you know, all those things can be happening at one time sometimes. So, for example, church can't be God for you. Church can't be God. Hear me out. Church can't be God. But you can come and worship God at church. So for a moment of your week, church and God are in the number one spot together. Right? They're in the number one spot together. Let me give you another example. Family, community, and hobbies. You might be able to find hobbies that help facilitate time with your family or that may um, help you to have a healthy soul. You know, sometimes having a healthy soul means you, you have a little hobby that you go do. But your, your hobbies and your children's hobbies can't stay in your number two, three, and four spot. They can't stay there. They can make and help facilitate. Your business or your vocation or your calling are necessary for your sustainability of your home and your family, but we have to be aware that there is always balance and that this area, listen to me, this area with your business, vocation, your calling, this area is the most susceptible to overreach and stealing from all the other areas. I know y'all don't like this message. And the reason why you don't like it is because you're super convicted right now because you know that you've been robbing from your family, you know you've been robbing from God, you know you've been robbing from all these things and you don't know how to stop it. You feel like you've gotten in a cycle that it, it just controls you and how could you ever back up on commitments that you, have to back, that you would need to back up on? And I will say this, it all starts with putting God at number one. And if you will do that, and then you'll start working on number two, number three, number four, he will help you make that transition 
where you don't wreck the whole mess out because you heard a message that convicted you. Because it has, you have built something that's out of whack. I have too. And it, all ha- it happens to the best of us. But I'll say this, you'll never, you'll never find time. And you never have enough time. You're never gonna find time, you're never gonna have enough time to get to the areas that are true priorities without lesser priorities in their place. And I said this earlier, but I'm gonna say it again. Sometimes lesser priorities get out of their place because we find it easier to be successful in them. For example, if someone doesn't feel successful in their home, male or female, husband or wife, if someone doesn't feel successful with their kids or they feel like that's out of control or they don't feel successful with their spouse or they don't feel like, you know, they're, they're doing all that, but they do have some kind of success and some kind of fulfillment in their job or their hobby or their passions or their giftings, guess where naturally as humans we're gonna wanna stay? We're gonna wanna stay where we feel like we are being valued. But just because you don't feel like, let's, let's just say you don't feel like you know how to, to make that relationship with God where you can keep him number one, it doesn't mean that we don't commit to trying. Just because you don't feel like you and your spouse are, are, are able to be successful and maybe, maybe you just guys, you guys have just kind of entered into uh, some kind of business agreement. It's not a marriage anymore. It's, it's just a business agreement. You're, you're roommates that pay the bills together and raise the kids together. That's not healthy. That's not what I mean by your spouse being priority. Or maybe you know something's not right in the way you think, or you know something's not right in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You can't, you can't keep your emotions under control. You can't keep your mind on the right things, and, and you've got these things going on inside of you, and you feel like a failure there, but you know somehow when you go out and do this hobby, or somehow when you go out and you do this, or you do that, or you go to work, all that kind of ceases, and all that kind of stops, and it just kind of, it kind of takes you away from all that. It doesn't mean that you don't have an obligation to work on that. It doesn't mean that it, didn't, that it went away. All that it means is that you are putting it off and putting it off and putting it off until one day it all comes crashing down. Nobody's life comes crashing down in the moment that it came crashing down. It's been building for years because of priorities that have been out of whack. So one through four take work And most of us have never been shown great examples of someone who keeps those priorities top. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue a life that keeps the most important things the most important. These top four will never happen on their own. You'll have to make a plan. And have great effort to protect their place in your life. Let me give you a couple as I'm closing here. A couple of examples. Exercises maybe. So maybe some exercises just to kind of break that in your life. Find a time. This is, this, this is gonna be so foreign for you. And me. Hang on one second. I'm telling you, this is gonna sound like Cavemen here. Find a time to sit still. See how long you can sit still. With no TV. No book. Unless it's the Bible. But even at that, you know, there's a difference between reading your Bible and fellowshipping with the Bible. When you're reading the Bible, you're just trying to obtain knowledge. When you're fellowshipping with the Bible, you're, you're trying to get to know God. It's a difference. No TV, no book, no social media. 
Just sit. Don't think about it. Don't work in on projects in your mind. Just sit still. Talk to God. Maybe have a word or a scripture. Meditate on that. Here's another exercise. Find at least one thing in your life that you can quit. Just quit it. Say no to something. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should be doing it. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Another exercise, look at your schedule with honesty and evaluate where you've sacrificed time with God for other things and bring balance back to the necessity of spending time with God. Another exercise, what can you do to feed your soul good things and starve it of the junk food of life? How can you serve your spouse better with your time and resources? See, these things don't happen unless you purposely do them. Normally what happens is we just go at life until things get, we get in a bind. You know what I mean by that? And then we go, well, what do I need to do to fix it right now? You want some flowers? You want to go out on a date? or with, with, with your kids, or whether it's with your business, or whether it was God. Okay, you know, I know, I, we've been doing all this stuff, and we hadn't been at church lately, and the preacher just wants us at church. No. <laughs> there, therein lies the problem. The pro- priorities in your life shouldn't be have-tos. They should be get-tos that you know my life is not right unless I have these things in order. Amen. So how can you serve your spouse better with your time and resources? Here's another one. Here's the last one. How can you prioritize you and your kid or your grandkids' relationship better? I'm not talking about doing more things with a bunch of other people. I'm just talking about how can you facilitate that relationship better? And, you know, I'll, I'll just say something to the ones that have really young children right now. And it just seems like you're going all different directions all the time. And that may be a phase. But don't let that phase become so much of a habit that you look back and you missed out on some of those things of just actual real quality time. And, you know, it's, it's different when, you're, when your kids become teenagers because they kind of act like they don't want to be around you. Well, not kind of. Act like, well, not even act like, they kind of tell you. But we make them anyway. Why? Because I've got to prioritize that relationship. And I got to teach them that they're a priority. And they're high on the priority list. But none of that really happens until God is in the place that he belongs. Where he is my captain and my commander. He's the one leading and guiding me. And because he's number one, I'm allowing him to tell me how I need to work on my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, the word of God, and, and where things are out of whack and how I need to think better and, 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 and how I need to renew my mind with the word of God and how I need to uh, uh, see this emotion of anger or this emotion of, of grief or this emotion of um, jealousy or this emotion of, of, of greed or whatever's going on in my life. I need, if God's number one, then he's got the right to begin to help me in my soul and say, if you don't get these things in, in check right here, then it's gonna affect other areas of your, of your life. And so from that, my relationship with God, now my soul is, is taking priority so that I know that I'm thinking right and I, I know that I have the right heart and I have the right motive and I'm going into my life the right direction and so because of that number three I want me and my wife and me or you and your husband however that works for you that that you guys are building something more than than just a business agreement and then when you two are right the kids will take notice of that and then your kids have to know 
you more than just the guy who provides by the, all the hours he works or the woman who cooks and cleans for all of us and totes us around or provides also as far as with a job. And then from that, you're gonna be happy because you've put those other things in your life at the right priority. So therefore, your work and your job can't have unlimited access to you. And because your work and your job can't have unlimited access to you, now you've got time to spend in God's house with God's people because God says to do that and it's good. So forth and so on. Do you see that? Everything is about balance and everything is about priority. And if it seems overwhelming to you, don't let it be overwhelming to you. Just say, I'm gonna work on number one right now and I'm gonna ask God to help me with the rest of them. Amen? Is that okay? Stand up on your feet. I wanna thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.